Hey, do you like movies? You do? Then I bet you're already very familiar with our friends over at Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome is one of the leading exploitation and grindhouse preservation and distribution companies in the world. The company was started by cinephiles Joe Rubin and Ryan Emerson and was said to be, quote, perhaps the most important home video label in the world of genre film by the Alamo Draft House. Holy shit, that is one hell of an endorsement. A big part of that is because of a three-step process I lovingly refer to as the three R's. Recover, restore, and release. Vinegar Syndrome has an expansive film archive of over 500 feature films, and they also work closely with archival institutions like the Museum of Modern Art, the Academy, yeah, MoMA, the Academy Film Archive, the Library of Congress, UCLA, and the Walker Center. I can't even count how many of their releases have either never gotten a physical release or haven't been seen since the days of VHS. Many of these films look better than they have any right to look. My favorite thing about Vinegar Syndrome is that they have their own in-house lab, which they use to restore these films to all of their glory. I can honestly say that I have never seen any grain reduction or digital trickery on their discs. Vinegar Syndrome was one of our first sponsors, and I'm overjoyed to say that they've stuck with us for five years. I'm still surprised we stuck around for five years, to be completely honest with you. uh, That we've stuck with each other. Yeah, I know. I really thought we'd be done after the first couple months in the first season. We're still keeping, baby! Yeah, we are. So check out their website today to pick up your copies of the Forgotten Jolly Collections 1, 2, and 3. Though one might be out of print, so if you see it, make sure you grab it. Satan's Blood, Fade to Black, a VHS favorite amongst a lot of cinephiles that was uh, unable to be released for a very long time. Taxi Girls, Don Coscarelli's Beastmaster, an HBO late night favorite. The 3D film Silent Madness, and the weirdo French Christmas horror film Dial Code Santa Claus, a.k.a. Deadly Game, and many, many more. Visit them today at VinegarSyndrome.com and let them know that the Shameless Picture Show sent you. That's right, VinegarSyndrome.com for all the cult, horror, exploitation, and vintage porn you could ever want. However much that may be. Yeah, exactly. But uh, before we start moving on to topics at hand, how was your, your Thanksgiving? It was good. Um, we went up to Jersey to see Ray's family. Yeah, yes. New Jersey. Um, I then uh, so that was Thursday, and then on the weekend we cooked at home for the kids. So I made two turkeys, pretzels um, and jelly beans. We and... did that last year. We did toast. <laughs> I know pretzel sticks and jelly beans. It was I amazing. watched it this year, and I thought of you. <laughs> oh. Um, so the what also happened around then is I started getting hives. I was itchy all over. Oh, and no. every time I scratch, I break out in hives. Well, I discovered that last night, the specific way that my hives are reacting is most... And I've been trying to figure out what it's from. I had no idea. It's probably from a spider bite that I didn't but, know that happened, but the way that my hives are reacting apparently is a telltale sign of a spider bite. Are you Peter Parker? And it could, I hope so. <laughs> Miles Morales or something. <laughs> um, so oh that's God. another thing that I, I, I'm just itching all over. 
Wow. <laughs> so that was my Thanksgiving. Otherwise, oh, Jane, how was your Thanksgiving? <laughs> mine was mine was great. My mom came over, which was always good. Um, Amanda made the juiciest turkey ever. Nice. Um, my mom made some does stuffing. She brine? <laughs> she does, and yeah. she actually like she like lifts up the skin and rubs butter underneath of it. Mm, yeah. And she like shoves it full of like uh, like uh, onions and um. Uh, lemons and shit. Okay, I do onions and this is an Alton Brown thing. Red delicious apples. The only thing Alton that Brown. red delish, delicious apples are good for, because apparently they're very fragrant, even though they don't taste good. Yeah, I used to like red delicious apples as a kid because I thought, well, that's red. That's the reddest apple in, in yeah. my mind. Like apples are supposed to be red, and I always and I didn't love apples as a kid, and that's it's because you were eating. The, the wrong apple. apple ever invented. <laughs> and then I discovered green apples. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. Well, this is what apples supposed to taste like? Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, I love Alton Brown. And I mostly love him because he, before he became a, uh, a celebrity chef, or just a celef, in, celef a chef <laughs> in general, he was a, he was going to school to become a cinematographer. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. <laughs> So when he did his his first show, I don't remember what that's called at the moment. Uh, Good was it Good Eats? Yeah. He was like, I, he's like, he's like every cooking show up to that point was you know the Julia Child's method. Audrey, so get out of there! Ooh, someone got yelled at. She, she's been using one of Raina's plants as an auxiliary litter box. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Audrey, Plant. get out! If you had to get up and give her a little pat on the butt, <laughs> right? This is a cat people listening if this if this even stays in most of this rambling is probably going to be cut out but me and nick are catching up so fuck it yes um but no he he said like everyone was just essentially doing the julia child's thing right you know you know i'm gonna show you how to make it and then i'm gonna pull out the that's my julia child it's it's the best i can do i feel like i need to have more more space on the sides um then he's he's like i just wasn't interested in that so he's like i you know i chose to shoot on little video cameras so he's like, we could kind of put the put the camera anywhere. So like, you know, I could do my intro with opening the refrigerator, and inside was the yeah. camera and shit like that. So he's like, he was he's, he was just trying. He's like, well, I could only do so much because I was on TV and I was shooting on video. I was trying to make a more cinematic cooking show. <laughs> I was like, I appreciate that all. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a fun show and and changed cooking shows. It did. It did. Alton Brown. Walked so Guy Fieri could run. <laughs> Whatever we cut out, that stays in. <laughs> oh, oh, God. Was there anything else you want to talk about, Nick, before we move on to our topic no, at hand? The, the only thing that I'll say is a bit of a disclaimer. I had every intention on rewatching Die Hard yesterday until I you got didn't home watch so it. late. Oh, that's fair. I have seen it about a dozen times. Oh, so you are pretty well versed in this. Yeah, it, I just haven't seen it in the last year. So this is my, was my first time watch all the way through. Yeah, it's one of those movies that came on like TBS and TNT quite a bit. So like I'd always see bits and pieces here and there, yeah. and like you can't watch like a greatest movies of all time thing without seeing like the clips. Like I've seen. Hans Gruber fall off the building. Yeah. I've seen Yippee Ki Yay, usually censored. Um, I, I've, uh, yeah, I've seen you know him cleaning the glass out of his foot. I've seen the big explode. Like I've, you know, I knew what the I, I could pro- without seeing the details. I could probably, I could have probably described what this movie's about without having seen it. Yeah, all the way through. Yeah. So, 
but I guess that means I should get to my intro. Let's do it. All right. Take a sip of coffee out of Santa for the working man. <laughs> like Swiss Army Santa. Ho, ho, ho. Warning! This movie podcast actually discusses movies. Be aware that it may discuss any of the following elements. Endings, surprise twists, unexpected cameos, and all manner of spoilers. Without further ado, please enjoy our feature presentation, The Shameless Picture Show. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Shameless Picture Show, the season finale of season five. I always have to remind myself, because I always get season finale and series finale. Yeah, yeah, so they up. mean very different things. Yes. So we'll, this is we'll the, still be here next year. We are. This is the season finale of the Shameless Picture Show. I am Michael Virus, and with me, as always, is a man who's a fly in my ointment, a monkey in my wrench, a pain in my ass. <laughs> Nick Richards. I hope not. No, no. I just that was my when I was looking up quotes, I was like, Yeah, I don't want to do yippee ki yay, I don't want to do welcome to the party. I was just <laughs> I was looking for that something right that, <laughs> yeah, that was a little more person specific, you know. Anyways, as has become a Yuletide custom on the show, which is funny because like the first time we did this was like our third episode in. <laughs> right. We started this. We didn't. We didn't do a. We didn't. It wasn't our final episode of the season, but we 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 established that we do a Christmas episode every year. But uh, it's become a custom. And we're ending our season with our yearly Christmas film. Normally, we do a Christmas double feature, and I had at one point suggested a very Brady Christmas. But we felt it'd be very apropos to end on a controversial topic. Is it a Christmas movie? Is it not? Is the In the last few years, it's picked up steam, especially from the anti-Christmas movie gang. Today, Nick and I are going to discuss whether or not Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Christmas Eve, 1988, John McClane arrives in Los Angeles. McClane, a New York City cop, is visiting his estranged wife, Holly, and hopes to reconcile and see his kids and continue seeing his wife. McClane has no idea how this night will turn out, but he's hopeful and willing to admit he's wrong. Um, I didn't write that very well. Wrong, wrong in terms of their relationship, not like... Whatever. Whatever. I wrote it how I wrote it. <laughs> Holly works at a large tower owned by Nakatomi Corporation, and by the time John gets to the building, all the employees are having fun at their joint Christmas and celebration party for closing a big deal, mostly thanks to Holly. Unbeknownst to John and all the party guests, a man named Hans Gruber and his gang of merry thieves are arriving with hopes of stealing $600 million worth of bonds that are being held in the safe. McLean gets caught up in the madness of this elaborate operation, and it's up to him and a desktop named desk, desk cop named Al, not a computer, a desk cop named Al, that he can only talk to via walkie-talkie to save the day. Die Hard was originally written by Jeb Stewart, based on the book called Nothing Lasts Forever, written by Richard Thorpe. Thorpe wrote a very popular book called The Detective, which was adapted into a movie with the same name starring Frank Sinatra. Sinatra wanted the new novel by Thorpe, so that way he can have a new movie, but Thorpe 
It wasn't as interested in another detective story and instead changed genres to action. The rumor has it he had saw the towering inferno and wanted to do his version of it. (laughs) By the time Nothing Lasts Forever was finally greenlit, Sinatra was too damn old for the role, and it had been offered to the go-to guys like Stallone, Schwarzenegger, Burt Reynolds, Clint Eastwood, Richard Gere, all the big-name guys, but they all turned it down because they thought the character was too much of a wimp. Eventually, TV actor Bruce Willis was cast in the role, which no one was happy about. There's rumors that people booed the screen and that they take him off the posters because it was such an unpopular choice. Um, Another important man to the film is director John McTiernan, who also turned down the role several times before eventually taking it. He wasn't sure he wanted to do another action film so soon after the success of Predator. However... Everyone came together, rewrites were done by Steven D'Souza, and the name was eventually changed to Die Hard, which has a kind of a funny story to it, so remind me to tell you that. And it was a very, very big hit with fans and critics alike who liked the film, especially McTiernan's directing. The film stars Bruce Willis, Alan Rickman, who at the time was pretty much unknown, Mm -hmm. ballet dancer Alexander Godunov, Bonnie Bedalia, Reginald Vell Johnson, Paul Gleason from Breakfast Club, and William Atherton playing, once again, a very sleazy character. And this time, he's the news reporter. For those of you who don't know, William Atherton, Atherton is like the asshole like character in Ghostbusters, who's like the assistant the to the mayor or whatever. Oh, and he, that one, okay. Ron, yeah. Ron character, yep. And he also was the lead bad guy in the Val Kilmer movie Real Genius, which I love. <laughs> the script was written by Jeb Stewart and Steven D'Souza, based on the book Nothing Lasts Forever by Richard Thorpe, music by Michael Kamen, with cinematogra- cinematography by Jan DeBont, which is a phenomenal name to say, <laughs> and from 1988, directed by John McTiernan, this is Die Hard. Trailer. Trailer. Explosions. yippee ki mother... <laughs> I don't know how they I think we the just leave that in instead of playing the trailer. <laughs> That's the trailer. It's Christmas Eve in L.A. California. Is Daddy coming home, soon? Well, we'll see what Santa and Mommy can do, okay? A New York cop, John McLean, has come to see his wife. I missed you. Instead... He's going to have to save her. Sit down. Within this skyscraper high above the city, 12 terrorists have declared war. They're about to be taught a lesson in the real use of power. They're as brilliant because I am interested in the $640 million in your vault. As they are ruthless. But I'm telling you, you're just going to have to kill me. Okay. We do it the hard way. Now, the last thing McLean wants... Think, damn it, think! ...is to be a hero. Where's Howie? Hey, Tucker! Where? But he doesn't have a choice. What does he think he's doing? <laughs> John. They have already killed one hostage. This channel is reserved for emergency calls only. Lady, we sound like a born of pieces! He's inside? Who is he? You have lost troublesome for a security guard. Sorry, wrong guess, huh? Would you like to go for double jeopardy? Do you really think you have a chance against us, Mr. Cowboy? Yippee guy, mother. You just destroyed a building. I am in charge of this situation. 
Well, I got some bad news for you. Come up here, that looks like you're in charge of Jack. He is alone, he is tired, and he hasn't seen deadly squat from anybody down here. Hey, pal, how you feeling? The whole thing beating, I'd rather be in Philadelphia. Only John can drive somebody that crazy. He's an easy guy to like. Come out to the coast, we'll get together, have a few laughs. And a hard man to kill. Bruce Willis, Die Hard. Got invited to the Christmas party by mistake. Who knew? <laughs> this is gonna be me re- redoing all the lines in the movie. I love it. <laughs> Just in I a very mocking, so in a very mocking tone. <laughs> so, uh, on your shame list, what yes! did you think? What were your first impressions upon right. watching Die Hard in its entirety? I'm not even gonna get into the topic of Christmas versus non-Christmas. Yeah, that's gonna be its own. Discussion. We will, but we not will. yet. I will say. This movie was incredible. <laughs> I like the breath you took before. <laughs> this movie was... I I was kind of blown away by how much I liked it. Yeah. This movie was incredible. And I should say, I, I, I never suspected it was a bad movie in any way, shape, or form. It's just one of those things that when a movie is so highly recommended to you. Yeah. And, all, and also, to an extent... I will say so blindly loved. Okay. And I'll explain my what how I mean by that. When a movie is just this popular and it's been recommended to you for so long, you go into it a little nervous thinking is this movie overhyped? Is this movie going to hold up to what people are saying about it? Is yeah. this movie going to be as good as everyone claims it to be? Well, it, I it, never anticipated it was going to be a bad movie. It but speaks I, to the, the, what we talk about all the time of it alters your expectations going into the film and you're cautioning yourself against that. Yes. Uh, and I also thought it was going to be a far more big, dumb, generic action film. And the reason I thought that is because before I ever saw Die Hard all the way through, I feel like I've seen bits and pieces of the of films in the other franchise, and I straight up had seen Live Free and Die Hard for some reason. <laughs> that I have actually, not seen that one Well, yet. actually, I shouldn't say for some reason. When I was a kid, whenever that movie came out, let's see, when what year did Live Free and Die Hard come out? So I can give you an exact idea of how old I was. I was 17 years old. So I wasn't even a oh, kid. Oh, wow. Okay. I was, it was 2007. I was hanging out with a friend. Um, let me make sure that was the right one. Because there's like a fuck ton of movies in this yeah. franchise. Was it maybe Die Hard 3 with Samuel L. Jackson? No, I saw this okay. in a the theater. Okay. Oh, no, no. It was it was, uh, it was with for you to Die Hard. Okay, so 2007. A friend of mine, his mom wanted to go see a movie and we used to um she used to take us to the dells all the time and she was like well you know let's she and she'd always take me and never expect me to pay for anything um and she's like well i want to go see a movie and she's like okay you know i didn't get to see many movies so i was like i'll go (laughs) and um 
She's like, what do you want to see? He's like, I really don't care. <laughs> I will see so it. So she's like, well, let's go see with freaking Die Hard. I'm like, cool. Haven't seen the other one. What does it go follow along? And that movie was a big, dumb fucking action movie. I don't even remember if I liked it. I just, it was a free movie. Who's yeah. Like, who's, what was I going to say? And so I was like, I just had these, you know, this anticipation that this was the, what this was going to be. And I should also say it. I'm not necessarily opposed to big dumb action movies, right, right? But when people are going out and saying this is the greatest Christmas movie of all time and all this other shit, and it's and I and I'm, I'm ready for it to be a big dumb action movie, like I'm cagey. I'm I'm re- like I don't know. It's hard to explain, but no, I was actually really impressed with this film. I was really impressed with with the direction. I was really impressed with with the performance by Bruce Willis, and I. And when he's really fucking good, he's hard to touch. Yeah. It just I feel like the scripts he's usually working with are not usually good. <laughs> um I was impressed by the way that the action was was orchestrated throughout this film. And um and I'm also really impressed that the film was being rewritten while they were shooting it. It doesn't feel like <laughs> no, it. No, no, it feels tight. <clears throat> You know, the biggest thing that you can notice, and I only picked this out because of the Netflix series, The Movies That Made Us. They did an episode on Die Hard. Okay. Um, you know, in the in the ending of the film, when they're, like, about to, you know, get away with everything, and they back the van out of the, 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 the ambulance out of the back of that big truck. Yep. You see the bad guys exit that truck at the beginning of the film, and there's no ambulance. <laughs> you know, shit like that. It's yep. like, and even John McTiernan, when asked, is like, oh, what are we going to do about that? And he's like... He's like, if people notice that, fuck them. <laughs> so it's like, you know, there's like, it, it doesn't, it feels so much like, you know, things would happen and then they're like, well, what do we do now? And it's like, you know, like when they, they had John McClane on the roof and they knew it was going to blow up. And he's like, well, fuck. We knew we didn't want the roof to blow up. We're already planning for it. We have the effects guy figured out. John's on the roof. What, how do we get him off the roof? So they're like, um... There's an old Harold Lloyd movie where he jumps off, he ties a fire hose around his waist and jumps off the roof. It's like, fuck, let's do it. <laughs> so, you know, they're just like, they write themselves in the corners and then they have to write themselves out. And that, and sometimes that could come out really poorly. Yeah. If, if like, not. You watch. But, but because it was so expertly executed, that actually played to the, like the energy of, John McClane's character and the yes, and yes. the trouble he got into, <laughs> and and honestly, the thing I liked so much about this movie is what so many people who said no to the film didn't like about it. I loved that John McClane is not the fucking even though they keep making jokes about it, he is not the cowboy coming out and just you know just mowing down everyone with a big gun and you know right being the he's he's a guy who's and this is the reason so many people turned it down he is a guy who's hiding through most of the film he doesn't want to be seen he's scared he doesn't like and when he only fights when he has to when the fight comes to him he's not bringing the fight to them it made it real a more realistic because yes. it it wasn't a, a stormtrooper situation where every time the bad guys shoot they miss and every time the good guys no the bad shoots, guys were they, very fucking they capable they he was up against competent people mm-hmm. and the only way he was going to survive it let alone like save the day was the guerrilla tactics that he used and that made it uh, in. Yeah, an action film that I enjoyed more than most. 
Yeah, because like I, I have fun with most action films. You know, you have enough people blowing up and shit. It's 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 fun. It's eye it's just, candy. <laughs> yeah, a lot. You know, it's it's action films, especially from this time, were the Marvel films of their days, sure. where they were they had a lot of money. They were real. They were really fun. Some of them were dumb, and you know, they were just it was escapism. Yeah. It's just what they were. Um, but. I thought I thought that extra element because they also they also established very early on that these guys are a force to be reckoned with. The fact that Alan Rickman kills Nakatomi like without even thinking about it, and especially because like you know Nakatomi thinks that he's like showing how fearless he is by being like is like I can't give you any of this information, so you're just gonna have to kill me. And Rickman's like, fine, just <laughs> that, fucking just yeah. blasts. Oh shit! <laughs> and how even I was like, oh my god, he did it because you know like. It, some movies, it's like, you know, you have some times where you have the bad guys who are just so cutthroat and evil that they don't, you know, that you just feel like, it's kind of like that, that Dark Knight line, they just want to watch the world burn. Yeah. And then you, and you sometimes when you have, like, the, you know, the sophisticated bad guy, you know, you see multiple times, like, oh, they are, they, they don't want to kill anyone, you know, like, there's like, no, Alan Rickman is willing to fucking cap a motherfucker to get what he wants in this movie. <laughs> right. He ain't gonna let no boy with glasses and a scar get in his way. <laughs> so, I know, I was actually really impressed. I really enjoyed this movie. I had a great time with it. Uh, I actually wanted to rewatch it yeah. already. Just like, man, this was, this was a lot of fun. And the for, season. <laughs> and for it being like two hours long, that movie flies by. Yeah. Because like when I first saw the run, I'm not normally a runtime guy, but I was like, "Ooh, this seems long for this type of movie," and it didn't feel the length. Yeah, because it just kept moving, had a great perpetual motion to it. Uh, something else that I think makes this action film successful and more interesting than many action films is the one location element of it. Usually yeah, action films take. are like all over the place. They're, you're going from exotic location to exotic location. Um, and not, not to say that Die Hard's the only one to have done it. Um, but it made it, particularly with his like, okay, I need to be crafty. Um, mm-hmm. Limiting the scope of the locations um, kind of gave it a bit of a, a survival feel that worked really well in its favor mm-hmm. yeah and honestly like the survival feel of it i kept thinking man this kind of reminds me of a video game yeah like this uh, yeah. almost like this survival game where like here's an action game where you start out with nothing and you just kind of kind of find stuff mm-hmm. along the way totally. and now i have a machine gun <laughs> yeah <laughs> i was telling amanda like that that line because i knew that line before i knew the movie or yeah. knew that beat knew that bit and she was playing the video game breath of the wild the legend of zelda game mm-hmm. And there's a point in that game where there's this island you have to go to. And no matter what equipment you have at the time, they strip you of everything. And you have to start with absolutely nothing. Yep. And find um, weapons. And at one point, she found, like, a stick. And she's like, oh, now I have a stick. And I was, like, I was just thinking of that line. I was like, no, you have a machine <laughs> Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> and, I, and that was before we even watched it, too. So, like, that just shows, like, how Die Hard has kind of moved itself into the ether. And, yeah. Yep. And, um, and like I said, that's what I, that's what I liked about it. Like, it felt like there was consequences to, to actions and how things... It was a very well-constructed script. 
Considering it wasn't fully <laughs> considering written. it wasn't constructed at all. Well, no, they had they Jeb Stewart wrote a full script, but then they were doing rewrites to that script yeah. as they were shooting. So they had a script, I should say. <laughs> um, but then there was like in there the Kubrick sense of a script. Yeah, they were you know there was like little things that I really appreciated, like um, um, thing there was logical sense, you know. Um, you know, you uh, on the airplane, John McClane has that dude who's you know saying, "Oh, to get over motion sickness, you know, take off your shoes and make fists into the carpet." And it's like, and that ties into him not having shoes. Yeah. You know, the only thing that's really not explained is the fact that his T-shirt changes color halfway through the movie. <laughs> it's from dirtiness. <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, and then, like, uh, I think I've talked about this on the show before: uh, the idea and screenwriting of good news, bad news. Yep. Um, I, when I was watching the movies that made me episode, the, the screenwriter uh, who was doing the rewrites talked about that. Nice. <laughs> and I was like, holy shit. And he talked about that, like how he built, like, um, how, how he built that big explosion on the roof sequence out of that. He's like, oh, you know, good news. You stopped the terrorists. Bad news. The roof's about to explode. Good news. There's a fire hose you can jump off the roof with. Bad news. The building blows up right at that time. <laughs> And the the the, uh, the fire hose is coming down after you. Good news is you have your gun and you can shoot the window and get back inside. Bad news is now you're being pulled off. Good news is you can unwrap. It. It's like that's how you construct yeah. a well placed action scene. And I was like, oh, that's probably why the action was working so well is because they were using this tactic, and it's it kind of always keeps you on the edge. I'm like, what's gonna happen next? <laughs> Bad news. You're not wearing shoes. <laughs> that's pretty much the bad news through the entire movie. And like honestly, like. What they should have been doing is they should have just been shooting at his feet. <laughs> I love, you take out a toe and he's fucked. I love how many times he like took out a bad guy and then tried to see if his shoes would fit him. That was a great touch. That was a there was a couple great touches like that. Um, and, and actually, that Bruce once, Willis really made those bits sing like that yeah, speaks to it, his performance that you were saying before his his comedic timing because like he was on the tv show moonlight before that like people forget that bruce willis big action star <laughs> was, was not star. A no he was, in, he, was in, he was he was in comedy and yep. you know Death that was her. his yeah that was his that was his gig yeah, that was his thing and one thing that i really appreciated when i was watching the movies that made us episode about this was john mctiernan who originally didn't want to direct this film said the reason he he said he just has a problem with a lot of action films and he said and and i don't know if he said this or if i was thinking this or whatever but made more evident by the fact that he made predator his issue with most action films he he said is just this sense of complete toxic masculinity yeah Yep. And which is funny watching Predator because that's what that film is. <laughs> um, so which, he said he did. Predator is on my shame list. Well, we're gonna have to rectify that. So that's I think that's gonna be a season six uh, episode. I I think so. Um, so he said you know he didn't want to do another film like that. So he said he was intentionally finding ways to remove that. He said one thing he he liked about this script was that you did have a character who was hiding yeah. through most of the film and didn't want to be seen. Um, you know, and he kept trying to add like these little bits throughout that would remove that toxic masculinity. Like there's a point in which like the, um, 
like when the st- storm team is coming through and they're going to try to raid the building, they're running through a bush. They're running through a thorn bush and one of the guys goes, ow. <laughs> and he gets pricked by a thorn. You know, like shit you wouldn't normally see in these big macho action films. Yeah. He's trying to add these little moments you that know, shows that these people are real people. I, I mentioned that in passing earlier, but this part of the conversation is reminding me of part of our conversation of Swiss Army Man. Mm-hmm. Where they made everything comes back to Swiss Army Man. <laughs> where they Thank made you, Stephen Millick. the film that they like they hated all of the elements of it and they're like, okay, then I'm gonna make one that's a lot better. And mm-hmm. it's it's interesting to think that, you know or I should say, it makes me think that when I'm not liking something, maybe it's because I could do it better or more interesting yeah. or yeah. you know. Um for the people that say they don't like romantic comedies Made one that's super interesting to you. Yeah, I love romantic comedies, but yeah, I'll so admit most of them are dumb. <laughs> but when you get the one that's really fucking good, yeah. Same, same with action movies. Like I'm not particularly yeah. into action movies. I am into action movies that do something really interesting with that format. Mm-hmm. And this is a, a great example of one. Yeah. yeah. So I I really liked it. Nick, what's your what's your history of Die Hard? You must like it if you watched it. Yeah, um, so growing up, we had a VHS copy of Die Hard 3, or Die Hard with a Vengeance. With Samuel L. Jackson? Yep. Yeah. Um, and my dad my dad liked that one. So that was, I had seen uh, the original a couple times growing up. I saw like Die Hard 2 once as a kid. Um, but Die Hard 3 was the one that I had seen most in my youth. Um, as I got older, I tended to revisit the original one more. Um, I, I've watched Die Hard 3 once since I was an adult, and it was last year, and it was because we were watching several Die Hard movies in a row. Um, we got, like, the ultimate, you know, steel-cased box set of, Mm. of all of them, and I haven't made my way through the newer ones yet. Um... I'd be curious to hear your opinions on those. Yeah, um, I liked the the comedy the the um, of Die Hard Three the you know mismatch top partner vibe that Samuel Jackson and mm-hmm. and uh, Bruce Willis have with each other, um, and I also like. Well, I'll say this about Three and the original. I liked how they play with the the antagonist motivations. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're never really quite sure what, why they're doing what they're doing, and they tend to kind of flip it on you throughout. Um, I find that interesting about both one and three. Um, but, you know, I, I don't want to tip my hand, so I, I won't explain why, but I, I watched the original around Christmas about like usually every year I, I it is worked into my routine of Christmas movies that I watch at this time of year so that's why I I come back to it it's, it's a good film but the reason why that one gets in where other good movies don't I don't rewatch on an annual basis is because of the Christmas tie-in okay 
Uh, actually, I know because it seems like we're kind of leaning in that direction. I do want to talk about the the title change, which I, I from nothing lasts forever to Die Hard. Okay. Um, once again, heard it on the movies that made me. So, <laughs> you know, I, I'm getting all my facts from another thing. Um, they talk about how uh, producer of this film, Joel Silver. You know, he produced a bunch of big time action movies. So like he produced the Warriors. Well, he was an, he was a he was a associate producer on the Warriors. He directed Forty Eight Hours, which was a big hit for him. Uh, directed Commando, pardon me, uh, Lethal Weapon, so on and so forth. Predator, and um, he always they always said that like he, it's a very crass thing to say, but they said he. He would never produce a movie unless it made his dick hard. <laughs> and he was the one that came up with the title. He's like, nothing lasts forever is not a good title. You got to call it Die Hard. <laughs> so it's like, it really has no like motive. Like, it's, it's not a very good title. It has nothing really to do with the movie. It is like, but... from, from the context of the, of the action film uh, of A Guy Hiding, like... It's kind of, like I've always found that title kind of comedic, so I don't even mm-hmm. think uh, hearing that story now, I think it had the opposite Im, uh, effect as intended, at least for me. Um, and then like it's even accentuated by by pop culture references, like the movie we were talking about during the fly, uh, our fly episode, uh, Love Hard. How we had both seen that, which is, <laughs> yes. which is, the title of Love Actually and Die Hard slammed together because it's Love those hard. two characters' favorite Christmas movies. Um, and then, without Die Hard being a title, we wouldn't have Die Hard Two, Die Harder, Die Harder, Die Hard with a Vengeance. I, whenever um, there were like making sequel jokes about anything, I'll just add with a vengeance to the end yeah. of it. <laughs> Kevin Smith used to do a series of, of stand-up events called An Evening with Kevin yep, Smith. Yeah, and that. the second one was called Evening with Kevin Smith 2, Evening Harder. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's so it is. corny. It, it seems like it's, it's making fun of itself, but yes, I think like, just because it's think, being itself. You'd think that would be like... The Mel Brooks or Leslie Nielsen yes. like spoof of it. Totally. It's like, no, that's the legitimate title. <laughs> totally, that's a the perfect way of saying that. <laughs> and like, no, like, like, hey, hey, if someone who wouldn't know, I'm sure they'd laugh and like, no, no, really, what's the title? It's like, no, it's Die Hard Two, Die Harder. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of. We're not fucking with you. <laughs> that is the subtitle. <laughs> die Hardest. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they should have called Die Hard Three. Okay, so. Are we ready? Moving on to our the to the actual discussion of this episode. So, how do you want to do it? Should we talk about like I, I didn't actually sit down and make a criteria or anything. But okay. like, should we sit? Did I, you? I I have first off, I have two things to contribute here. So I'd like to kick it off, mm-hmm. and then have you answer the question in your way about is it a Christmas movie, and then I'll give my answer. Okay. Okay. Whatever, however you want to do it. I so, had no plan. So D'Souza has addressed this question quite robustly. And he And just you know, John McTiernan has as well, though his answer does not make a whole lot of sense. Okay. So D'Souza 
answered the question by coming up with some criteria and then directly comparing it to White Christmas. So I'd like to read off that list. Okay, continue. So, is Die Hard and White Christmas Christmas movies a comparison? It uh, Does it take place during the Christmas holiday? Die Hard does entirely White Christmas, the first and final scenes only. Mm-hmm. The setting is a Christmas party. Die Hard entirely, White Christmas, final scene only. Number of Christmas songs. Die Hard has four. Let it snow, Winter Wonderland, Christmas in Hollis, and Jingle Bells. White... It does have Christmas in Hollis. I forgot about that. <laughs> White Christmas only has two. White Christmas and snow. Uh, was a party venue threatened? <laughs> uh, Die Hard by terrorists and White Christmas by foreclosure. So that's, I think, an inverted thing. Like, oh, you think because a party venue is threatened then it's not a Christmas movie, but in White Christmas, one was threatened also. Um, A broadcaster with a hidden agenda. Die Hard has Dick Thornburg. White Christmas has Johnny Grant. A German ringleader. Die Hard has Hans Gruber. White Christmas has Hitler. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Government incompetence. Die Hard... Uh, FBI overreacts. White Christmas. Pentagon fires General Waverly. <laughs> Body count. Die Hard has 23. White Christmas has 26,128, thanks to the Battle of the Bulge. <laughs> and Gift of the Magi liked selfless sacrifice. Die Hard has running barefoot over broken glass. White Christmas. Danny Tay upgrades Vera Allen's train ticket. So maybe Die Hard is even more of a Christmas movie than White Christmas. <laughs> and, you know, I, I could definitely see that argument 100%. Just because, like, I, you know, out of, you know, the oeuvre of classic Christmas movies, you know, one that's constantly cited is Holiday Inn. And I think 100% that movie is not a Christmas film. Which, um, Holiday Inn was basically the precursor to White Christmas. Other way around. But White Christmas is kind of the precursor to Holiday Inn. Oh, okay. At least that's the way I thought. Maybe I'm wrong. As, um, I was just having this conversation yesterday with some people. So it it's one of those two ways, and I can I have no like like firsthand reference, or I guess secondhand. I'd have to go by the years. To, my mom yeah. is my mom is the expert in those two movies. I've taken her to see both of them uh, on the big screen. Um, so one of them led directly to the other. <laughs> yeah, and I will say too, um, just piggybacking. Um, uh, I'm just gonna, like I said, his, 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 there's a 12 minute video of John McTiernan. (laughs) There's a 12 minute video of John McTiernan talking about why he believes that Die Hard is also a Christmas movie. Um, it, there, it, it, it genuinely is hard to follow. So I'm going to read little bits and pieces of what the Hollywood reporter kind of breaks it down. Cause they said, after a somewhat confusing preamble, (laughs) McTiernan gets into the diehard connection. He notes that he drew inspiration from the Bedford Falls becoming Pottersville moment in It's a Wonderful Life, which he believes was meant to represent rampant capitalism. McTiernan says he only signed on to direct Die Hard after producer Joel Silver agreed to allow John McClane to be a normal, everyday person who would make the people in authority look foolish. McTiernan says he had an agenda that was mostly understood by the cast and crew who took joy in the subversion. We hadn't intended it to be a Christmas movie, but the joy that came from it is from it is what turned it into a Christmas movie, says McTiernan. 
but but and it says but the d- video doesn't end there. Uh, McTiernan then draws connection between Die Hard and the current state of American politics, <laughs> um, which then he kind of rambles on further. But you know, so he thinks it's a Christmas film because he believes he is he is subverting, he is taking the the theme of rampant capitalism taking over, which is what he believes It's a Wonderful Life to be about, and that is what and the uh, Christmas Carol. Um, yeah, there, that to, that kind of socialist theme is in most Christmas good Christmas stories. Yes, yes. <laughs> so where I stand is I still don't know how I. I feel like I still okay. I guess I should say this. I can definitely see why people think it is a Christmas movie, and it is. I think definitely more of a Christmas movie than others with uh its musical cues and some of that stuff however i still feel like i lean on the side of that it is a movie that is set on christmas but it doesn't necessarily still feel like a christmas movie to me and my reasoning being is i agree with a lot of what d'souza said about white christmas versus die hard but i also think one of the reasons why i think white christmas might stand the test of time is more of a christmas movie than die hard well, at least, unless you're talking to someone who believes that Die Hard is the greatest Christmas movie, um, is comes down to overall intent and honestly, like Christmassy feeling and Christmassy vibe. Well, yes, only two major sequences in White Christmas take place on Christmas. I, if I remember the movie correctly, and it's been a couple years, so please correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. Um, you know, the general intent of the film is to spread merriment and the Christmas cheer and to give his former commander in, uh, in the army um, a good Christmas. Uh, you know? I would push against that. Um, okay. okay. Especially since I've seen it so many times in the last two months as we get ready for the performance. Yes. Um, Please tell me. It's been a while since I don't, I also could be getting it confused I, with holiday. Yeah. No, no, I, I wouldn't say you're wrong. It just, I, I think that's the way people interpret it, but I think what the film is, if you, in the same way that I watched Miracle on 34th Street when we had this conversation and I didn't even consider that he wasn't Santa Claus, like what the Mm -hmm. movie is doing and how we interpret it knowing that it's a Christmas movie, the air quotes around, I forgot we're on um, just audio. (laughs) (laughs) I do that all the time. Really, the main storyline is them trying to save the gen- a-, a show the general that they love him, yeah. and and B try and save his um, uh, his hotel because they're I guess, going under. Yeah, I guess that is a that's plot point. that's it. Mm. It happens to be around Christmas time, mm. but none of their intention has anything to do with Christmas. But I, I guess what I should also say, too, is I don't have a huge fondness for White Christmas. When I think of, like, the oeuvre of Christmas films, that's not one of them that comes to mind for me. Yeah. You know, because, like, let's, let's use another example of, um, of uh, It's a Wonderful Life. Not a big portion of that film takes place on Christmas. Nope. It's about the lead-up to it. There, There's a lot me, of... this. It's a Wonderful Life is another big one that people disagree on, whether or not it's a Christmas movie. Uh, but I feel like it's more imbued with the Christmas spirit than, say, other films. Um, 
For me, it's yeah. a wonderful life, and I, I just made this reference, but I'll expand on it. I think what really cements that as feeling Christmassy to me is because it's such a, I hate to, I don't, I don't think retelling is the right word, but it has so many parallels to A Christmas Carol for me, mm-hmm. which is like this iconic, unarguably Christmas, like it's, that one is 100% Christmas story, Christmas Carol. Um, and those parallels kind of pull It's a Wonderful Life closer to a Christmas story than others. But is that necessarily a bad thing? No, no, not at all. All right. Because, like, I guess, I guess what with me and Die Hard is, like, and I will, I will say that things that they did were, that were excessively Christmassy, I thought they did in a, a very interesting way. Like, the way that they tied the music in, I yeah. thought. You know, like, how the score was kind of built around these carols. I thought that was a, a, a phenomenal touch. Um, honestly, though, I, I, ultimately what it comes down to is I kept forgetting that the film... Which is hard to say, which is hard to believe, because considering how much you know they really tried at the score to make it Christmassy, I kept forgetting this film was supposed to be yeah. set on or around Christmas. And I think for me, and that also comes down to pure subjectivity. Mm-hmm. There, you know, my, my reasonings here are not going to be anything that anyone can else can stand on, but my myself. I kept forgetting this movie took place on Christmas. Maybe because it's Christmas in L.A. I don't know. Because obviously Christmas in LA is a little bit different than it is in other parts of the world, right. and not everywhere it gets snow. Snow, so like I'm coming at it from that perspective. But I kept forgetting that it took place on Christmas, and I feel like any time someone would make a Christmas reference, it almost felt like it was as a reminder to remind you, it's like, hey, we're still on Christmas. <laughs> Don't forget. Um, and like and like even just little things like you know like when John gets to the party and he says hey you know it's like oh you guys are throwing a Christmas party and there goes not well kind of <laughs> but it's also a celebration because we just did this closest big deal so it's like they can't even commit to the idea that it's actually a Christmas party <laughs> and because when he asks it's like hey they could have been like yes this is our yearly Christmas party for our team and they but instead they're like oh well yeah sort of I actually think that's. Uh, an amazing metaphor for this broader social conversation too like that's kind of the movie they put out there is it a christmas movie it, well, yeah well uh, sort of you know <laughs> and i and i guess that's ultimately where i fall on it is instead of saying it's it's definitively not a christmas film i also think it's funny that it can't, it, it was released in july what well, christmas <laughs> movies do we know that are released in fucking july um uh I think that's ultimately where I fall fall into it. It's like it's 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 sort of, yeah. Like I can definitely see the arguments, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be like anytime someone's like, oh, I'm watching, my, you know, I'm watching, um, Die Hard for Christmas. I'm not gonna be like you tool. <laughs> I'm not gonna like hate on. I was like, yeah, I can see that. I guess ultimately where my, and I'm not even gonna lie, you know, like part part of like, um. My thing comes from it is like it just it comes. I, I I personally roll my eyes at it quite a bit. The the Die Hard is the best Christmas movie. I roll my okay. eyes super hard at it because okay. it's like the first time someone I heard someone say it I was like oh that's kind of funny <laughs> like because I hadn't considered that. But then it just picked up so much steam from people like I said who just who just truly in their mind it's like it reminds me of the same type of person who 
doesn't want to like a chick flick or yeah romantic comedies like Die Hard is the greatest Christmas film. It's like, well, you also probably haven't watched many, and you're just <laughs> you're choosing this because it's a very uninteresting answer. Or or they liked it because they it feels like a hot take. Yes, yes. When it's and then like that's it was only a hot take back when only a few people were saying it. Now everybody's yes, saying it, yeah, so it's no longer and, a hot take. <laughs> And like I said, I'm not gonna like anytime if someone's like, oh, I'm gonna watch my favorite Christmas movie, Die Hard, and like it's like I'm not gonna be like, you should, why are you doing that? It's a stupid choice. But it's I like I, even to the point where like I, you know I follow a lot of movie pages, and someone's like, oh, I'm looking for, you know, um, me and the family are I've got family over, and I want to watch a Christmas movie. What do you guys recommend? And there's always like 15 people who are like, D- the most clear choice is Die Hard, like. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess th- that also comes down to it, where when I'm thinking I want to watch a Christmas movie, I want to settle in and watch a Christmas movie that's going to fill me full of that Christmas spirit. Die Hard is not on that list yeah. for me. Yeah. But once again, that's pure subjectivity. Right. It doesn't imbue me with that spirit of Christmas that I'm looking for out of a Christmas film. Right. I don't, you know... While while the way the Christmas carols are worked into the score is really fucking clever, it doesn't work on, to me to me in the same way that say like Christmas Story does or yeah. or other films. Um, so I think that's ultimately what like it's you know when if I want to just watch a really good fucking action film and it's you know the middle of May, uh, yeah, let's watch Die Hard or something. It's <laughs> not like I want to be and put in a Christmas spirit. Let's watch John McClane shoot terrorists. Oh, <laughs> thieves. John McTiernan is very clear that he said no one wants to watch a movie about terrorists. <laughs> They're uninteresting. Thieves are interesting. Because they have a motive besides just chaos. <laughs> I find chaos very interesting. <laughs> but I ultimately side with the opinion of Mr. Bruce Willis, where he said definitively Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Okay. It is a Bruce Willis movie. <laughs> beautiful yeah so i guess like that's also like i said it comes down to um and one can't justifiably say what fills another person with that christmasy spirit it's just i didn't get that from die hard because like there's another dumb action movie i shouldn't say dumb because die hard's not that dumb but, like there's another action movie that i really like that's also set on christmas called cobra with sylvester stallone with sylvester stallone but i'm not gonna and it takes place on christmas but i'm not like oh i want to be filled with the christmas spirit let's put on cobra it just happens to be set on christmas i think you're also forgetting about the incredible christmas action film santa with muscles see santa with muscles feels far more like a christmas movie than die hard because he dresses as santa well, and it's also like based around the whole idea that he is Santa. He <laughs> believes he is. And actually, I was just invited to be on an eight-year-old's podcast to discuss oh. Christmas with muscles. What? Yes. Do it. I'm going to. Uh, Justin Thornton, who does Hard Out, his yeah. son, who's eight years old, ha- they used to do a podcast together to talk movies, but I guess now his son wants to talk with other people about movies. Oh, my God. So Jason's just going to record and edit it. And he wants me to be on to talk to his son about Santa That is muscles. amazing. I am, cannot wait for that. <laughs> so me talking to a child about Santa with muscles. Um, okay, so before I get into my take, which actually has a lot of core similarities to your position, but okay. I kind of have built more of a worldview out of it. Where yours was very personal. 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. before I get into that, I want to say that um, Raina's definition, her criteria, is both so, like, it's, it's beautifully simple and surprisingly, like, really works for me. When I use that, I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that's totally right. Does it have a Christmas tree in it? That's it. If it has a Christmas tree in it, then it's a Christmas movie. If it doesn't, then it's not. Well, and, and as, I, as I, I watch movies, I'm like, there's a Christmas tree. Yeah, no, this one does feel like a Christmas well, movie to me. I have a list going on for Letterboxd, funny enough. So I guess, once again, we should go back to what, what I was saying before. Maybe I should clarify and say it's not a Christmas movie for me. But I do have a list going on in Letterboxd that I started creating called Stealth Christmas Movies <laughs> that essentially use Raina's thought process. Okay. Where if there's a Christmas tree in it, it's a stealth Christmas movie. <laughs> okay. Uh, and I only have a couple on there because I keep forgetting to update it. But, you know, Die Hard would be on the stealth yeah. Christmas list. Cool. So, anyways, I want to hear your thoughts. Nick. Okay. So, you kept um, pushing the subjectivity of this conversation. Yes. And that has become my, my like, overarching guiding rule in that it, it's a Christmas movie. If it feels like a Christmas movie to you, mm-hmm. like there, you, no one can create the list or the, the thing to, like, to define it because it's so personal. I I feel like if you can, if you're making a list of, say, your favorite Christmas movies or favorite Thanksgiving movies or whatever, and you can justifiably give an argument as to your position, why or why not, I feel like it counts. Well, here's the thing. Like, what if your family, every time they get together for Christmas, watches Saw? Saw is not a Christmas movie. But, not at all. But if every year you get together with your loved ones with a Christmas tree in the background and little Santa figurines and nutcrackers and you sit down as a family and watch Saw, that's okay that that's a Christmas movie for you. If, it, if every time you put it on when it's not Christmas, you're like, oh, you think about your family and your ugly Christmas sweater and some hot chalky then it's a christmas movie for you it's okay yeah. yeah i get and i don't know if this episode is going to be what people were expecting because we're not going to come down and have a definitive answer because it, me and you because aren't on the same page i it can't I, it, you cannot come up with definitive answers about whether or not something is a christmas yeah. movie well like for me like I, i've talked about this like for me nightmare for christmas is a thanksgiving movie there you go. It doesn't feel like completely a halloween movie it's not completely a christmas yeah. movie split the difference you got thanksgiving plus stealth turkey <laughs> There is a turkey in there. Yes, yes. there is. Oh, or like I, I saw on um, once again one of the many things where people were talking about like they're you know they're like we all <laughs> I roll my eyes at the beginning of their of their post where they're like we all know every one of us watches Die Hard for Christmas and I just I'm like okay where's this going <laughs> he's like but what other weird movie but he won me back he's like what other weird movies do you choose to watch on different holidays okay, I'm like, oh you know. this is gonna be yeah. fun and I was going through it and one guy said he's like I, he's like I have no justifiable reason for this other than when I was a kid a friend of mine told me that uh predator is to the thanksgiving what die hard is to christmas and i'm just stuck with that there you go so so predator is a thanksgiving movie for yeah, him to that guy and yes, that's 100%. okay yeah that's yeah, okay 100%. whatever so, gives you those feels and for yeah. me die hard does give me christmasy vibes 
and it makes me want to watch it. Uh, Raina loves watching it around Christmas as well, so um, that's made me watch it more consistently around the holidays, but Die mm-hmm. Hard is a Christmas movie for me because I want to put it in at this time of year, and it gives me Christmassy feelings. And that's as simple as it has to be. Like, yeah. if, if you're applying anything else to it, then you're overcomplicating it, and it makes it more of a flawed system because people are going to dis like half of the world of america will disagree with you mm-hmm. yeah i guess my my ultimate thing is like if you if, if die hard christmas movie to you was that a child or a cat that is a cat well, that was a she just knocked sneeze. something out. she knocked oh, something like, over oh, it sounded like a sneeze <laughs> um Ultimately, if, if Die Hard is the movie you want to watch on Christmas, fucking more power to yep. you. My biggest thing is just please stop treating it like a hot take. <laughs> right, yeah. Because it's not anymore. <laughs> it's just... And I feel like that started to... I feel like it's a pretty recent development where someone's like, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. And, and some, you know, I feel like someone was like, you know what? Yeah, I guess it kind of is. I don't know why the person's I, from the South. <laughs> I feel like there, there are a group of people that assumed that always that it was... Mm-hmm. And that there was there there is enough Christmas reference in there that are that there are people that watched it and were like, well, yeah, of course it's a Christmas movie. How could you argue that it isn't? And then there are other people that saw it as an action movie, and were like, wait a minute, Die Hard's a Christmas? Oh yeah, I guess it is around Christmas, isn't it? And and like both of them were really surprised when they discovered there were people that thought the other way. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like to me. Yeah. Yeah, so I guess like that's where I stand. It's like, you know, am I gonna watch Die Hard again? Fuck yeah, I like, I loved it. I, I had a great time with it. Is it necessarily gonna be around Christmas? Who knows? You, you know, you would pop it in in July just as likely as you would be to pop it in in December. Well, July is still the appropriate time to watch Christmas movies because you got Christmas in July, right? May, May. <laughs> you're, you know, you're just as like, likely to put it in in May. Yeah, yeah, as you and are in July or December. <laughs> exactly, but like. You know, right now, me and Amanda have been working through a little bit of the the Netflix Christmas cinematic universe. Yeah, I love that. And they do. They tie them together. They always have a scene of somebody sitting down and turning on a Netflix Christmas special. Have you noticed that? Yep, yep. And, like, there was what we watched one called The the Night Before. Night was spelled with a K. Uh, we a ti- saw that as well. And it's a, you know, time travel movie about a night. And, yes, they watched Netflix Christmas special. <laughs> They're watching, like, Amanda's like, oh... She she's like, oh, that's the Christmas calendar. Like, yep. How have you seen so many of these, and um, and then like they like referenced like a kingdom from like the Prince Switch or some yes, shit. She's yep. like, and she's picking out all these, and I was like, holy shit, you, this is a whole thing. So I po- actually posted about that, and but like you know, I'm not gonna watch the night before in May, right. It's just so... That's because that's insane. a terrible movie, and the only well, reason yeah. why you would want to watch it is because it's Christmas. Yeah, okay, let's pick a different one. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, um, I'm probably not going to watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life in May. Okay. Where, I might. Where I or, do. That or one Miracle on 34th Street. Your, Miracle on 34th Street is one I only watch at Christmas. Yeah, or um, um, Home Alone. I'm not gonna watch Home Alone one or two in in oh, really. In See, no. Home Alone, I consider I kind of put in the same category as Die Hard, where that one feels like a movie that I would watch, and then it's like, oh, I can watch this at Christmas too. Or you no, know, let's go with more that I that are part of my yearly watch. You know, like Scrooged. It just it yeah. just feels weird to watch any other time of the year. Or or um, Scrooged, uh, I can start in October. Christmas Vacation. 
Scrooge I can watch in October is kind of Halloween-y because okay, the fair. final ghost is so scary. Yeah, or like <laughs> Christmas Vacation. Like, Clark Griswold putting up lights in the middle of the summer just feels strange. Yeah, yeah. So, like, like I said, this pure subjectivity, you're never going to get to the bottom of it. Um, but I, 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 if if people are listening to this, I legitimately would love to hear other people's takes. It's yeah. like, if you think it's a Christmas movie, give me some reasons why, other <laughs> than what we've stated. You know, like, oh, it takes place on Christmas. Yes, we know that. But why, why else do you feel like it's a Christmas movie? Or if you don't think it's a Christmas movie like me, give me some reasons. I saw one guy in line who, his reasoning, and I don't know if I necessarily agree with it, so, like, just just because someone doesn't think it's a Christmas movie the same as me doesn't mean I'm going to agree with their reasoning. Right. One guy was like, there's no gift-giving. I was like, well, I don't know if, like, White Christmas has gift-giving. Right. Uh, White Christmas does. Um, at the end, Rosemary Clooney gives Ben Crosby the the horse. The finger? Yeah, that gives him the finger. Gives him that horse, the, the knight on his white charger. Um, ah. But I also saw some uh, things about gift-giving in Die Hard, too. Um, but it, it is certainly more interpretive. Um, mm-hmm. Somebody said something about the gun in the end being gift-wrapped because it had the, the Christmas tape on it. And, you know, there were some other yeah, things that's like a, that. That's a bit of a stretch, There's but stretches. I see where you're going. I appreciate, I appreciate the energy. Right, yeah. <laughs> a bit of a stretch. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I guess that's where I land. It's like, it's, it's not, it doesn't feel like a uniquely Christmassy movie to me, but I also think your reasoning makes sense for some people. This is, you know, like, like I said, I think some people just do it to be contrarian and because they truly convince themselves they don't like anything Christmassy and they need to choose, you know, cause I also follow a lot of like just uniquely like mo- mo- uh, movie pages that are just genre related so people yeah. won't watch anything that's not horror action so they have to find something to watch in october so they can feel like they're doing something christmasy i think th- those people are just you know they're just closing themselves off to a lot of phenomenal cinema that they're just never going to get around to uh, made evident by the fact that the people who made this film are very clearly in- inspired like fuck john mctiernan said he pulled a lot of inspiration from it's a wonderful life. So yep. if the fucking director of Die Hard can watch something that's not an action or horror film, so can you. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, but then, like you said, I think there are definitely, as the younger generation comes up, you know, people around our age and younger who, like, their parents were watching Die Hard, especially because, like, you know, the advent of video, it became a tradition for some people, and that's perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So that's that's my so that's my I take. I know um, I know people want hard blind answers, but you're just not gonna get it because they don't exist. Yeah, not on topics like this that are so personal like that. Whether or not some whether or not something is an action movie isn't personal. You can debate debate qualifications, and there are some that you know skirt the lines or cross genres, but that's what makes this. Christmas argument had so often is because the only real test of whether or not it's a Christmas movie is whether or not it feels like a Christmas movie to you. Mm. And if you know, you're, well, you're trying to frame it other ways, like it's fun to try and frame it other ways, but it's inconclusive. 
You know what would have made it more of a Christmas movie for me? If there would have been one scene, a little bit after the, the, the roof of the building blows up, if a character on the ground would have been looking up and white stuff would have been coming from the ground, from the sky and she'd be like, snow? And one of the cops should have gone, ash. <laughs> <laughs> that would have made it tongue out to catch it all. And... <laughs> I think ultimately here's what it comes down to. If someone were to ask the Shameless Picture Show collectively, is Die Hard a Christmas movie? We would give them a very definitive maybe. Yes. <laughs> I was hoping you were going to say no, and I was going to say yes. <laughs> I, we, I could, we could re-edit it real quick. And, <laughs> and, and let's definitely not edit it, and we'll just leave both of them in. Yeah, so, yeah. Well, I, I, does the Shameless I, Picture Show definitively think that Die Hard is a Christmas movie? Yes. No. <laughs> I just love the idea of a very definitive maybe. Yeah, yes. <laughs> All right. So, Nick, I think that's everything I got. I'd, I'd ask you where you, where people can find you, but they can't because you're I'm, off the grid. I'm, I'm done. I'm living in a cabin in the woods, man. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. If you need to get a hold of Nick, you get a hold of me. <laughs> yes. Maybe I'll send a carrier pigeon out his way. <laughs> so oh, pretty much, I have to watch out for carrier pigeons. If you if you if you go on if you go online and you're you're discussing anything with the Shameless Picture Show, it is probably me or Amanda, yep. my <laughs> wife, who's helping with social media. So, Nick, if people want to get a hold of you, they'll get a hold of me. Yep. Um, we do have a contest coming up that I keep forgetting to to establish where I'm going to be giving away some Wisconsin-made films. Uh, keep following social medias; you'll hear all about that. And uh, we got we'll see you next season, guys. Yeah. Merry we have Christmas. some cool. We have some cool ideas. Whether or not we'll actually put our best foot forward and plan anything. January is a really great month for me. I always hit a fresh season, running with a lot of ideas, and then February comes along and work takes over, and then we're like, "Oh yeah, let's try and do those things that we were talking about." All right, Nick. It's been great as always. Uh, also, keep keep an eye on the Patreon. Me and Nick um are trying to put more stuff up there like i said it's it's been tough october and november were very tough for me uh because october is always the busiest month of the year for me for whatever reason <laughs> i've been helping on a lot of people's films i actually shot a music video myself so there hasn't been as much patreon content but i'm working to rectify that and um if you haven't heard it already me and nick will have a episode up there where we are gonna discuss we're gonna go back to our roots in the first episode of the shameless picture show we discussed two episodes well, no it's like four episodes we yeah. discussed a, a handful of episodes, episodes. Of, <laughs> of, of star trek the next generation by the time you hear this up on patreon there will be an episode where me and nick are going to discuss a a two-part episode a story arc that he has recommended to me to watch called chain of command so give you something to look forward to so nick if you're not down with that i've got two words for you what's that watch, watch movies, movies. <laughs> so bad the shameless picture show is recorded in milwaukee wisconsin and eastern maryland and is hosted and produced by nick richards and michael byers today's episode was edited by nick richards our opening theme music was written especially for us by the directionals with narration by zach mclean the end credit music you're enjoying at the moment was generously provided by my friends in the band 10 speed the shameless graphic design is masterfully done by amanda byers An extra special thank you to all of our Patreon supporters and to our generous sponsors. 
We are on Spotify, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Google Play, and Libsyn. You can find links for all these amazing people in the description below.